Welcome. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. And uh, I'm sitting here with my Obi-Wan Kenobi Jedi robe on, and John is in his Jar Jar Binks pajamas. <laughs> with the floppy ears and all. Floppy ears and all. Do you still have that 8x10 autograph of Jake Lloyd? Yes. <laughs> it is. It's actually priceless. He's gonna be somebody someday. I I cleaned the glass case on that today, actually. Yeah, you you, you definitely should keep that clean. Yeah. Next, Leonardo DiCaprio, whenever he comes out of the show. Right. Yeah, when he finally does something with his life. But anyway, <laughs> so if you couldn't tell by uh, the <laughs> intro music, we are we are doing a Star Wars movie this time, and not just any Star Wars movie. One of the most hated Star Wars movies of all time, Episode One: The Phantom Menace. That's right. We're covering the prequels, and this will be a trilogy. This we will is, do all three. <laughs> this is the first part of three. Uh, There's too much hate to do just one episode on all three of them, so we figured we would uh, give everybody a nice little Christmas gift and do all three. There, there is definitely way too much hate on these. So, um, but before we get started on these, we had a, a conversation that we would like um, the uh, input on from everybody else, and uh, is basically about the prequels versus the uh, the new movies type thing. Uh, George Lucas's original story was meant to be a soap opera based on the Skywalkers. Yeah. That's pretty much what he, he intended. And uh, because of fans hating the prequels, he decided that no one wanted to see that soap opera anymore, and he sold the rights, and then that became what the, the new ones are. Um, which is interesting. You know, they're fun to watch. Don't hate them. But seems to me like it's it's just really like a disney cash grab uh and that was the discussion um because this story that we're getting is not george lucas's story um a lot of people would like to know what that story was at least one being mark hamill one being mark hamill he's made that very publicly clear that uh he would have liked to seen it and i'm pretty sure now star wars fans would like to see it because whether you agree with it or not, Star Wars is the story that George Lucas created. There would be no Star Wars without George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this story is still a story about a Skywalker. There's Luke in it, and then there's Kylo Ren. And we don't know whose Ray parents are. Or... And then, of course, Leia. I mean, she's a Skywalker. Yeah, Leia, of course. Well, uh, even though she was adopted to be an Organa. Yeah, but she's a Skywalker. Jimmy Smith, what's up? <laughs> Jimmy Smith, <laughs> you the man. You the man, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Smith. But, but I, that's just uh, that's that's one of the things that you know we just want to mention and give you guys something to think about. It's not the main part of this episode. It's just something that no. we thought that we would mention at the first of it, and you guys can take it how you want to discuss it amongst yourself. Um, but this is uh, very hated. Uh, critically, but it had a budget of 150 million dollars. 115 million, not 50. 115 million. It made uh, 
Domestically, $474 million, and worldwide it made a billion dollars. A billion with a B. A billion, yeah. It made a billion dollars. This one movie. Uh. <laughs> and I think one of the things that always stands out to me when I see stuff like that is people are like, oh man, I hate episode one. And we'll get into a lot of the hate comments about what people specifically don't like about this movie because there is a lot of hate for this movie. But the thing that people forget is that like a very large portion of the world watch this. And some people watch it multiple times in the theaters. I think me personally, I think I saw it twice in the theaters. There's people that paid full admissions to get in theaters just to see the previews for this movie. And then they walked out. Right. And there was people lined up outside on the sidewalks to just to get tickets for this. Yeah. You know, dressed up. And then, like, when they did the initial premiere of it, you know, there was people dressed up in Jedi costumes and people dressed up like Darth Maul because they'd seen, you know, like, images of him and all this kind of stuff. Because... One of the greatest fights in movie history is at the end of this movie. When yeah. Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul have that battle. Yeah, and uh, it also has like one of John Williams's most epic music tracks that he's ever made. Yeah, it's Duel all around Fates. a great movie, and even the reception at the time that the movie came out was very good. Or people wouldn't have just kept watching it, and it wasn't until later, whenever the critics started doing everything what was wrong with it, and then comedians like, you know. That angry boy Patton Oswalt and <laughs> um, people like that just started bashing it. Brian um, Posehn. Yeah, Brian Posehn. It's just, but they, the thing about them is, I don't know if you can even take that much credibility with them. They're just getting famous off geek opinion because they're they're supposed to be geeks. That's how they do their comedy. So, who even knows that if that's actually how they feel or if they're just cashing in on. Um, you know, just bashing something. Uh, but th there was like a, a sentiment there at one point where you had <clears throat> people thinking that the thing that was wrong with Star Wars was George Lucas. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's that documentary, The People versus George Lucas. I did not watch that. Because... I watched it because I wanted to see what the, the, the people that didn't like George and they didn't like what he was, you know, doing to the movies and stuff. Like, why did they feel the way that they did? And in the the documentary, basically, is about that George Lucas always has a tendency to go back and what people consider mess with their movies, right? Because when they originally released the special editions, that was ninety seven. Because I remember that too. Because I went in the theaters to go watch episode four, five, and six you know, on the, the special edition version. That right. was the one. I had original copies on VHS when I was a kid, but when I heard that he was going to go in, he was going to clean up the video, uh, the, clean up the video. he was going to clean up some of the audio and basically just take the original film reels that they had made back in the 70s and they had buried those reels out in the desert and they were going to go back in and basically touch up the film to make it look better and there were some sequences that George was like, well, I want to add more to Moss Eisley. I want to make it look like it's more like an actual city. You know, he wanted to include, like, the scene that he had with Jabba the Hutt so you understand a little bit more about 
you know, Jabba, he's not just a name dropped in the movie. You actually see Jabba and Han interact, and then Boba Fett's there, and, you know, Greedo was there, and all these different things. And so there's a lot of stuff that he wanted to add to it, and the thing that in the documentary that people talked about is they were like, well, the, the problem that they had was that George ruined those movies by adding things in that didn't need to be there. Now, to me, I've watched the special edition more than I have the original one, and to me... The movies have a tendency to make more sense. Now, Return of the Jedi doesn't have maybe as many edits to it because by the time he got to Return of the Jedi, he was basically able to do just about what he wanted to with the movie. The biggest thing he added in Return of the Jedi was the Sarlacc pit where it had the mouth, you know? <laughs> but the I always felt that George has the ability to, to change the things to his vision. And he always said that... M and I think it was a quote that he maybe got from Steven Spielberg that movies are never truly finished. They're just simply abandoned. Yeah, I mean, he, he always has a passion for it. This is something that uh, fans should actually praise him for, for continually working on the Star Wars movies and trying to make them better for them. I mean, this is something that was always in his head. Yeah. So if you don't like what he does to it, then guess what? You're not a Star Wars fan. You're just... Some picky asshole. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really just the facts. If you just nitpick every little thing that he adds, like when he add, you know, Hayden Christensen as a, a force ghost and people fucking hated it. And I was like, that was awesome. And whether you like him or hate him, Hayden Christensen did exactly what was asked of him. And, uh, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio was rumored to play that. I'm sorry, Love Leo wouldn't have played it any better. Yeah. I'm sorry, I mean, because that's what George Lucas wanted. He wanted that. He needed an overly emotional guy. Because in order for it to make sense on where Luke and, and his emotions come from, he has to have a dad that is somewhat similar, you know. And even if you look at the new movies, you know, Kylo Ren and Han Solo. Han Solo was always conflicted about do I do what's good for me or do I good what, do I do what's good for other people? Right. Because and at the end of A New Hope, he's like, I, I got my money, I'm done. I, I saved the princess, I helped the old man and the kid, you know, and their droids or whatever, so I'm done. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to run and I'm going to go pay off Jabba and get this bounty off my head. Well, you, you know who you can, you know, compare Hayden Christensen to? You can compare him to Adam Drivers. Um, yeah. Kylo Ren, very emotional, kind of, kind of whiny, which they say Hayden is. I mean, he, he is. That's a Skywalker trait. It's though. a Skywalker trait. Luke is that way. Yeah, except for the females, because they're Padme not... and Leia are never whiny. They are take charge, no bullshit females. Yeah, they're always strong. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, but that's a Skywalker trait. The females a... are always strong because even Shmi Skywalker was a strong woman because she raised Anakin by herself as a slave. Yeah, Shmi, an interesting thing that I found out about the scene where um, Qui-Gon Jinn touches Shmi's shoulder affectionately and all that stuff like that. Yeah. Originally, George Lucas didn't want that scene, but uh, uh, Liam Neeson uh, convinced him to keep it in because he he wanted to show that there was an attachment to those two. 
and uh, so Qui Gon felt you know he was interested in in the two of them. Yes, yeah, and he and that, actually cared for the two of them. Yeah, that's something that he wanted to be left in, and George Lucas was like, "Well, I mean, yeah." And Qui Gon Jinn in this this movie was supposed to be sixty years old. You know, Liam Neeson when he did it was only forty nine, but he just thought that when Neeson is on camera, he commands the screen which he does yeah i mean this that was a good choice uh other choices for qui-gon that i found out was also very interesting um uh, people that uh came out maybe said that george lucas might be racist and stuff listen to this <clears throat> list of people that was considered for qui-gon Jinn. oh this is a side note george lucas definitely isn't racist because he's married to a black woman yeah that's the most ridiculous thing ever and a lot of this comes from the jar jar binks thing got to place jar jar Binks also, you know, black. Yeah, um, Ahmed Best. Actually, before I get to the Qui-Gon thing, Mace Windu actually wasn't supposed to be a black Jedi. He was supposed to be an alien until Samuel L. Jackson was casted. Yeah. Um, that was just something that he just changed. And the whole original trilogy of Star Wars was supposed to be about Mace Windu and his Padawan, which we assume would have been Luke. Um, yeah, because that name is something that he like brought back in and recycled it for another character. Yeah, yeah. but the Qui Gon Jinn uh, people that he considered at the time to play Qui Gon Jinn uh, was Vin Diesel. Oh, really? Uh, Kurt Russell. I it would have been cool <laughs> to see a Jedi Kurt Russell. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Uh, I don't like that as much as Russell, but okay. I mean, Tom Hanks could do it. Russell Crowe. Yeah, okay. Jeff that would, Goldblum. That would be awesome to see Goldblum uh, as a Jedi. Goldblum was, you know, a reference from Spielberg. They everybody loves Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, Denzel Washington. And yeah. Morgan Freeman. Those were all guys oh, that Morgan yeah. Freeman would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, those were all guys that uh, George Lucas uh, considered. And there's, there's a huge list, but most of those guys weren't actually seriously considered, or they didn't want any part of Star Wars. Because uh, like you, you'll find a bigger list, and it's got like Brad Pitt and stuff on it. It's not, it's not legit. None of those guys ever even considered playing this role. Uh, but those are the people that entertained it. But you know, um, I think Vin Diesel did Saving Private Ryan, or he was doing yeah. Saving Private Ryan whenever this movie was filming. Because mm -hmm. the cause episode one came out in 99, and I, isn't that when Saving Private Ryan came out? Was yeah. 98 or 99? Yeah. And uh, Darth Maul, there was actually supposed to be another actor that played Darth Maul. It was supposed to be Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> Which is funny because he ends up in a Star Wars movie anyway. Yeah, he ends up in a Star Wars movie anyway, and he's supposed to play Darth Maul, but George Lucas cut all the lines. Yeah. Except three. Darth Maul has three lines in the whole movie. And Benicio Del Toro left because he's not a doing movie where he only has three lines. I right. Guess. And the other thing, too, is that he really can't do those martial arts. <laughs> no, and, you know, a lot of those guys in those Star Wars uh, movies, as much as you, you know, a lot of people talk about, like, too much CGI and stuff, a lot of the actors do their own stunts. Like, uh, Liam Neeson did most of the stunts. He had a few stuntmen, but he tried to do most of the stunts that he could do. Yeah, all the and, pretty much most of the lightsaber fighting is all Liam Neeson. Yeah, and Ewan McGregor, he does all that. And um, Ewan McGregor did it for three movies on his own. So yeah, <laughs> he's one of the most amazing part of all those movies. Uh, uh, yeah, so that that's pretty awesome. I just the the casting list that they had for Qui Gon, I think, shows the 
you know, that they have an idea of, you know, the character isn't necessarily defined by a color or, or anything. It's just who can play the role and can bring the performance. Well, basically the description for the casting call was like 60 year old monk like man. I mean, it's basically it's very simple. I mean, that's They're essentially just... what Jedi's are. They're they're you know kind of an, a, monks to a degree. Yeah. Because I mean, if you know anything about George Lucas, George Lucas is very much a fan of Akira Kurosawa, and it, a lot of times he he uses a lot of like Japanese elements and like Asian elements in his movies. Um, you know, like the the idea of the you know the lightsaber is kind of like you know reminiscing back to you know, like old samurai days, you know, and the fact that the Jedi's wear robes like monks do. And, you know, there's a lot of references to that kind of stuff in the, in these movies. Yeah, I mean, this movie was full of a lot of great stuff. You know, you got pod racing. Which is, like, one of my favorite sequences. But I, I'm a big fan of racing in general because I'm a big fan of Formula One and IndyCar. Max! And, uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Max Verstappen, if he had been in the pod race... He would have passed everybody on the first lap, and they would have never seen him again. <laughs> he would have just went right past the bulba and be like, "Yeah, whatever, hater, loser," and then just went right by him. And then he just would have done the other two laps. He would have been fine. It's actually but, a fun little fact that I found, and I only mention it because uh, I'm a fan. Uh, to create the effect of the pod race, the uh, um, the crowd in the pod race, the cheering and oh, stuff right, like yeah. that. Ben uh, Burt, which is the sound designer, uh, rec- went to a 49ers game and recorded the crowd. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, how they got the crowd reaction in the pod race, which is cool. Go Niners. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because Skywalker Ranch isn't too far from San Francisco, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think so. It's like yeah. it's it's in California, Skywalker Ranches, and that's usually where, that's where Skywalker's sound is, too, because Ben Burt... I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's still over that, but he's like the lead sound designer. He has been on every Star Wars. Every No, sound. Mickey Mouse is over that shit now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you need to go out there and like uh, record these doctors, huh? <laughs> you know, it's like... But the, but the, Ben Burt has done basically every sound effect in Star Wars since the 70s. You know, he came up with the lightsaber sound. He did all the droids. Uh, every single sound, even Darth Vader's mask and... Like his breathing apparatus and everything, all of the iconic, all the iconic stuff that you have in Star Wars was developed by Ben Burt. So if you yeah. think of like you know sound effects in Star Wars, it's Ben Burt. He is the granddaddy of all of that. Yeah, give props to your sound guys when you're watching movies because they would sound pretty horrible if those guys weren't good at their jobs. Right. Yeah. So when, whenever you're you know watching movies, think about those guys that put in that work. I mean that. that if it yeah. takes, yeah, I mean, Ben Burt, I remember seeing on one of the documentaries uh, where he was, like, you know, doing sounds, and he basically just takes recording equipment out, and he just looks for things like dumpsters, and, like, there, uh, you know, some of the sounds that he recorded for, like, the original trilogy, he went into a sewer and just got sounds inside of a sewer because he just wanted to see what kind of interesting sounds he would get from it, so... It's I I always think that when people want to like trash on these movies, it's like you guys, especially when it comes to CG, and that gets into some of the hate comments that we have in here. Uh, people are like, "Oh my God!" Like you know, like all they all they had to do was just build this stuff in the computer. Do you have any idea how long it takes 
to do something like Jar Jar even, who everybody says that they hate, right? You have any idea how much work it takes to take an entire character like that, build it completely from scratch, and have to match it up with somebody's performance that's doing it live? It is a lot of work to create a character like Jar Jar that exists completely in the computer. Yeah, Michael that's Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson wanted to play Jar Jar Binks, and that's that's a fact. And George Lucas took a lot best um, to backstage at a concert and had to meet Michael Jackson and get his approval because George Lucas didn't want Michael Jackson in the movie because he thought his star power would distract from the film. Right. Um, and uh, that's pretty much why Jackson wasn't there. But as far as episode one goes, and it's kind of notorious because when people want to talk about, you know, when they hate the prequel movies, right? The One of the first things that comes out of their mouth is what? When the people say that they hate episode one, when you talk to people, what is the first thing that they always talk about? The Jar Jar Binks normally. Jar Jar Binks, exactly. I mean, it's usually Jar Jar, which honestly... Let's all get on the same page here. Is he the most annoying character in Star Wars? I I mean, it, we'll probably get into that when we get a little bit more into the Jar Jar hate comments. But to me... He doesn't bother me. It, Jar Jar doesn't bother me because I understand that he's meant to be a little bit of an idiot. And even Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon kind of treat him like an idiot at the beginning of the movie. But the thing I think is that... People sometimes forget how annoying C-3PO was in the original trilogy. And I always thought C-3PO was annoying. He never shuts up. He's always, like, giving people the odds. Don't tell me the odds. You know, like, giving them information when they don't need it because he doesn't understand the situation. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, what it's kind of supposed to be about is your tolerance for people that you don't understand. Right. Uh, that's kind of what Jar Jar was created to be. Like, okay, yeah, he is annoying, but you don't understand him because he's from a different culture. He's a different species. He talks differently. He talks differently. He might not be annoying to his own people, but he's annoying to you. It's like, you know, you need to accept that. Uh, and the, the whole concept that every character in a movie has to be cool, right? Every character has to be awesome. They always have to have cool lines. Not every person that you meet in real life is, is awesome. I mean, let's just be honest. You meet no. plenty of people in your own real life that are kind of annoying and say stuff that you don't understand, but you have to deal with them because otherwise you're just going to be an asshole. Yeah, not everybody can be a badass in Star Wars. This, right. This is not Star Trek. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's even characters in Star Trek that aren't necessarily like... Great. Not everybody can be as cool as Spock and Kirk and stuff like that. Picard, but the idea, yeah. yeah, Picard and all those people. I mean, even Captain Janeway, she's a badass. I mean, she's like the first female captain. But when you look at something like Star Wars, I think people have this idea that every single character has to be awesome. Not necessarily. I mean, I, my thing is, is like, I don't, and I don't hate C-3PO, but there's times where I'm like, C-3PO kind of annoys me because of his attitude. Now, by the time he gets to, like, Return of the Jedi, I think Anthony Daniels kind of understood that, you know, he had he had grown with the character. And so C-3PO has seen some things. And so 
when he bickers with R2-D2, it can be funny sometimes, but then there's times where you're like, God, 3PO, just shut up. Like when Han, you know, in Empire oh, so Strikes much, Back. Yeah. And Han in Empire Strikes Back, when he just put his hand on his mouth, just kind of like, stop. And he's a robot. He can still talk. It's not like, you know, putting his hand over his mouth. Yeah, it's not like he's going to suffocate him or anything. Right. But C-3PO understands like, okay, human interaction says that I'm talking too much. It's like, yeah, because you're annoying Han Solo. Not everybody can be as cool as Han Solo. No. And when you look at somebody like, just the, you know, to do the the Jar Jar thing kind of quickly and then we'll go back into some more of it later. One of the characters that people almost universally love is Boba Fett, right? Boba Fett's awesome because he's got the armor, he's got the jetpack, he's got, like, you know, the cool lines, put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. It's barely in the movie. But, I mean, what's the difference between, like, somebody like him and Jar Jar? Jar Jar's not the biggest part of Episode One, and Boba Fett's not the biggest part of Empire Strikes Back, or Return of the Jedi, for that matter, because, you know, barely 30 minutes in into the movie, he's already in the Sarlacc pit getting ate up by that monster. So, I mean, but everybody universally thinks that, oh, Boba Fett's cool because he's got the cool armor. He has almost the same screen time as Jar Jar, and yet, you know, people automatically go to Boba Fett. What, because he has the armor and he doesn't have his speech impediment? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, uh, so when you start going through the imdb comments on this and some of these i got from imdb and then some of them i got from a website called quora which i will uh, those are at the end i have those at the end here but uh one of the things that we always kind of said was that uh, a lot of the hate for the movie didn't come until after it had been out for several years i have two comments at the beginning that are from 1999 but so it's, it's from it's that time period okay so you have a few people Back in 1999, that didn't like it, right? Because the first one, as you can see here, is a one out of ten. Is that Pat Oswalt? <laughs> no, I don't know. Unless, uh, well, okay. So let's go. Let's do this. It says, "When does the hurting stop?" That's the tagline for their comment. And uh, this is from uh, somebody named Grifter84. So you know, who knows? Maybe that's Pat Oswalt. Could uh, be. Uh, that's his uh, his online handle, right? And so he gave it the movie a one out of ten. And this is from 1999, October of 1999. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is just a few months, really, after the movie had come out. Uh, it says, uh, this movie is a perfect example of what could have been one of the most brilliant movies ever is made. They, <laughs> The first line, we've already got some We English. get it. We get it. Oh. One of the first movie could have been one of the best movies ever, ever is, is made. made. <laughs> Though the incompetence... Of, uh, of only one man into one of the worst. Uh, I cannot list in detail the, n the number of ways this movie could have been made better. They are, they are all mind-bogglingly simple and all George Lucas's fault. Even so, I will try to condense them into a short list. You know how we are about lists. I love lists. Yeah, lists of hate are like one of our favorite things because it very much gives us all these bullet points. Uh, so it says, number one, the actor slash the casting. Uh, I have to give all the actors. Yeah. You have, have McGregor, Liam Neeson. You got suck. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. You're awful. <laughs> Natalie Portman. You have no future. You're a terrible actress. Natalie Portman <laughs> was in high school when she recorded this movie. Yeah. that's a fact. Yeah, and she also has a college degree too. Yeah, you know, she literally didn't go to the premiere because she had a she had a study for a high school exam. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it says, I have to give all the actors credit for this because I know they tried their best, even Jake Lloyd. 
the movie did not give me a single reason why I should have cared for any of the characters, and I can't explain why I did anyway. I can't count how many times people have told me how much better Haley Joel Osment <laughs> would have been in the role, and almost I'm almost inclined to agree with them. Supposedly, there's something dark and ominous about the Anakin character that all the Jedi Council can see. After all, he's going to be Darth Vader, right? So he would rather have Haley Joel Osment as Anakin? That's what he's saying. He's he, yeah, that he, he would rather have what? Like, I don't even think he could have worked on this because he was doing um, uh, Sixth Sense, right? He was doing a lot of stuff At back in point? those days, but it's still just kind of like no, because then. But Anakin's not supposed to be like a creepy weird child. No, he's supposed to be just a normal kid. And he's that's... just a normal kid. If you had Haley Joe Osment, you would be like. Kind even of overly of, dark for no reason. It's even one of like Patton Oswalt's jokes. He's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. He's going to be a kid. And he's like, oh, is he going to be like a murderous kid? And he's like, no, he's just going to be a kid. And he's like, who wants to see that? It's like, guess what? This movie's not about the kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and people get into that later because there's some... He's there's part a, of it, but he's not the storyline. Yeah, I mean, th this... This kind of stuff where it's like, uh, you know, hey, he's supposed to be Darth Vader, so he's just got to be evil from the get-go. It's like, no, because the Jedi wouldn't even take him in or even consider him if they thought that he was extremely dangerous. I mean, they realize that the kid's a little bit older than what they would like and that there's some danger in that. But, but to say that you have to cast somebody, you have to cast a child that has a weird, creepy look or can pull off being maybe a... a an abnormal child like that's not what anakin's just supposed to be like a regular kid you know he doesn't have like murderous intentions when he's nine that's crazy yeah how would he get that far in the jedi council and stuff like that if he was just some psychopathic kid he would have never you yeah. know qui-gon would have seen it and been like yeah fuck this, this kid this I'm kid is this kid on the planet he yeah i'm just gonna leave him here i might take yeah. his mom but yeah because <laughs> well, i made a mistake about it qui-gon has a little bit of a thing for shmi i think in that yeah, movie yeah uh, definitely um i mean he touched her shoulder whoa fire. yeah i mean for jedi i mean that's, that's uh, first base yeah <laughs> i was like this shit's getting serious <laughs> right uh so continuing on it says osmond projects that fear which leads to anger which leads to etc and lloyd just looks like your run-of-the-mill blonde california cabbage patch kid mm -hmm. uh it says i call jake lloyd a terrible actor if it uh weren't for that great sci-fi writer orson scott card who personally knows lloyd observed jake lloyd's a good actor and it's a pity you didn't get to see that on screen since he had no direction or screenplay. And the same way Liam Neeson is a great actor, but you didn't see that on screen because he had uh, you didn't see that on screen because he had no direction or screenplay. Now, that is directly going after George Lucas to say that he doesn't know how to be a director and he doesn't know how to write. Now, make no mistake about it, George Lucas will even say himself that writing is not like his favorite thing to do. He would rather be working on the movie, right? We know this. Writing is not necessarily like his favorite thing ever to do. and But the, the thing that I think people forget sometimes is that Star Wars is basically comes from the things like uh, Flash Gordon and like those like those old like science fiction serials and stuff like that right you know 
Like, you have all these over-the-top villains like Ming the Merciless and, you know, like all these things. I mean, even the, the titles and everything that, that you have for these movies are very much like old science fiction serials. Even George Lucas himself said that he was really influenced by those old serials from, like, the 30s and 40s. You know, whether it was, like, radio dramas where they would have, like, these action things... Or, you know, it was like the uh, action-adventure stuff, which is what eventually led him to start doing the Indiana Jones movies, right? Because he really liked the idea of, like, traveling around the world and having this big adventure movie. Well, Star Wars is basically from his love of, like, science fiction, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that what happens is, is that people expect these movies to be the most beautifully written movies ever. They're not designed to be that. People want to trash on his like screenplay with the dialogue and all that kind of stuff. These movies aren't designed to have you know really intense dialogue. They're designed to be easy to understand because they are essentially a soap opera. They're like I hate the Star Wars prequels. Oh, Sharknado 6, I'm in. <laughs> but but if you watch something like Sharknado, you know going in, like, you're not expecting, like, you know, like, Oscar-caliber acting in a movie like that. And you're not expecting it to have, like, you know, tremendously great writing. Well, no, the most fucked up thing about the Star Wars prequels is George Lucas gave everybody exactly what they were asking for for years. This yeah. is exactly what everybody wanted. Yeah. And he gave it to them, and it pissed them off. What does that what does that remind you of nowadays? Everybody wanted Star Wars to go back old school, and they did, and they took a lot of elements from A New Hope. Yeah, and, it was basically J.J. Abrams and stuff. They go into a studio. They're like, "Okay, we're gonna we just bought the right to Star Wars. What do we do with this next Star Wars movie?" It's like, "Well, let's do A New Hope with a girl." Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I like the movie because there's more interesting characters in it to go along with it. And, you know, Han's back and Kylo's great. And I mean, but... We, lo we love ourselves some Finn and Poe. We love, Yeah, we love Finn and Poe. Poe's probably my favorite person in the whole movie. Uh, it's going to be a good story. Looking forward to The Last Jedi, you know, to see if it's going to be great or not i mean they gave ryan johnson his own trilogy and we're going to have something at the end of this show to talk about that but yeah not right now um we'll see what happens but to criticize something that's completely original compared to something that's not you know it's it's almost the it's same unfair to george it's unfair to George to be like, you know, it was almost kind of like the Ghostbusters thing when they're like, well, let's do the Ghostbusters, but with, with women. women. <laughs> and it's like, that's not original. That doesn't help women. That doesn't help anybody. No. Because now you're like, oh, well, we're doing Ghostbusters, but people want to see like all chick Ghostbusters, right? It's like, no, we want to see a good movie with Ghostbusters. It doesn't matter yeah. if they're all chicks, you know, or whatever, you know, mix it up. Just find good actors and put them in there. Stop worrying about all this shit. Yeah. And I think that the thing with, with George a lot of times was that people were like, we want to see more lightsaber fights. We want to see kind of like, you know, how did Anakin, you know, become who he was? What was Obi-Wan like when he was younger? You know, how did Obi-Wan start, you know, dealing with Anakin? You know, like that kind of stuff. And he was like, okay, well, you know, I have some stuff I can do with that because he had ideas of, like, I have things that I can show you about Obi-Wan. I can, 
you know, show you where the emperor comes from, you know, Palpatine. How did he get to where he was? And the same think, actors always played the emperor. Yeah. Ian McDiarmid. And like the second point that it makes on here, since we're kind of on Lucas for a minute here, uh, this is actually kind of a good point because this is the second point that they make. Uh, number two thing that they didn't like about the movie uh, was uh, direction. Let's face it, George Lucas has lost it. He has gone from the great actor's director when he was uh, when he made American Graffiti, you know, to a special effects artist gone wildly out of control. I do give him some credit. It takes a, a lot of deliberate effort to sap all the energy and life out of Ewan McGregor. Now. Ewan McGregor is one of the best parts of Phantom Menace, completely. Right, and I don't, I don't think it's possible for Ewan McGregor to be on a set and not steal the show. Right, <laughs> hello there. <laughs> but I, for for just for like total disclosure, our our favorite character in Star Wars ever is Obi Wan Kenobi. Because we're he's both the, I, big fans of Obi Wan. Obi Wan is the ideal Jedi. It's the one that everybody's been talking about, even in the new Star Wars movie. They, they you know, this Grey Jedi thing started going on. Obi-Wan was already that. So this isn't a big deal to us. If you pay attention, Obi-Wan's very emotional. He embraces both sides. That's how he defeats Darth Maul like he does. He's, He's a Padawan, and he just defeats a freaking Sith. Yeah, a, a Sith Lord, basically, <laughs> that has been trained with a dual-bladed lightsaber, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that Obi-Wan probably hadn't really seen much of that before. And it's only when, you know, it actually is, if you pay attention yet again... It's only when Obi-Wan gets emotional that he becomes the most powerful person in the universe, basically. Yeah. Which makes me think that, uh, that now this is just a fan theory I'm throwing out there, I guess, because there's no proof of it. It makes me think that he was the chosen one the whole time, but they focused on Anakin and... And Luke, it, of course. Yeah, and Luke and his path got lost along the way, him sitting on the, you know, uh, planet waiting for, you know, protecting Luke all those years and... All, the whole time he was the chosen one. And, you know, makes me think that Ray's probably something tied to him. Which, uh, you know, I mean, everybody kind of has their own ideas about what they want out of Ray, but I think that if you really wanted to... if I guess if you wanted to appease the fanboys, it's really hard to make Star Wars movies without having some kind of Obi-Wan presence because... They've had something related to Obi-Wan in The Force Awakens and in uh, Rogue One, right? Because in Rogue One, he, you know, when he says that he has a, a friend, you know, that he could trust the information to, he's talking about Obi-Wan, you know? Like, uh, Bail Organa is basically <laughs> talking about, like, his friend, you know, his old friend is Obi-Wan in hiding on Tatooine. And so... We we know that Ewan McGregor is an amazing actor. I mean, he's awesome in like Angels and Demons. I mean, with like Train Spotting, like all that stuff. Like Ewan McGregor is an amazing actor. And to say that George Lucas is ruining his performance in this by making him a lifeless and no energy version of Obi Wan, no. I mean, the thing about Obi Wan, like Jedi's in general, and that's one of the things people I think mistake in this. Why do I sense we've just picked up another pathetic life form? Right, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but the whole concept of the Jedi is that they don't get super emotional un unless it's like Obi-Wan when he sees Qui-Gon get killed. Spoilers, Qui-Gon gets killed at the end of the movie. Yeah, if you haven't watched this by now, then... I, we'd have no hope for you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the Jedis aren't supposed to be overly emotional. 
And they play that to a T in the way that they act. You know, Liam Neeson does it when he plays Qui-Gon, and Ewan does it when he plays Obi-Wan. The only one that is kind of emotional out of, you know, all of them uh, throughout the trilogy of the prequels is is Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Anakin's emotional too, but he lets the anger take control of him, and that's what makes him a Sith. Yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan's control over his emotions comes from Qui-Gon because of how much yeah. he followed Qui-Gon's teachings. That's why Qui-Gon wasn't made into a master. But even in this movie, Obi-Wan could uh, sense things that uh, Qui-Gon couldn't sense. Yeah, because he even says, like, I, you know, Master, I sense something elsewhere, elusive. And he says, you know... Uh, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but... He says, stay... He says, Stay in the here and now, or something along those lines, and uh, yeah, focus on the here and now, and not, yeah, in not the, future. the not the future or whatever. But basically, what Ewan McGregor was sensing was maybe a plot or maybe the Sith. Uh, it was one one or the other of those things, and uh, it was ignored. Yeah. Um, but when you get to part three, it says. Uh, part three of their point says the screenplay slash plot, which they, it's weird because they already mentioned screenplay a little bit, so they're going back in to do another bullet point to talk about the screenplay. This two just really hated the screenplay. <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't like the way this was written. This was probably somebody that made like a made a screenplay and could never get it made, and was like, you know what, dude, Hollywood doesn't understand what a good screenplay is. They won't take my screenplay for my movie. <laughs> I wrote Titanic. Three, the resurfacing. Right. I needed that to go through. Yeah, that needs to get to that needs to get to James Cameron so I can get this off the ground. And these hacks don't understand how movie making's done. Jack was gonna come back. Yeah. He was gonna he he was gonna basically be like a Doctor Who time traveler, you know. And like, but that's the like people always want to complain about this. But what what this person's saying, and I'm, I'm imagining that Grifter eighty four is a dude. Like usually we assume that most of these. This is Star are dudes. Wars. They're all dudes. Those are probably all dudes. <laughs> the next one is a dude too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, but it says uh, this is the section that really makes me wince and proves that there is nobody left in Hollywood with the courage to tell George Lucas that he can't write. I mean, logical inconsistencies aside, this this dialogue. Is simply ridiculous. If a first grader were called in as a script consultant, he could most likely have improved this movie. So a first grader could create Star Wars. Also, <laughs> yeah. this guy can't write. But if you're on IMDb and you're making comments about how much of a hack George Lucas is and he can't write, well, look at it this way. You're on IMDb talking about George Lucas. You know what George Lucas is doing? Making money. This movie, as much as people hate it, like you said earlier, it made over a billion dollars. It made over a hundred, over four hundred million in the U.S. alone. Yeah, and most of the people that hate Star Wars Episode One, Two, and Three are what Americans. Yeah, and uh, by the way, they bought a ticket and seen this shit in theaters. Yeah, because nearly half of the money that that movie made was from America. (laughs) So, you know. If you want to say that George Lucas can't write, he's doing something well because why would you go to see a movie that you that you felt the dialogue was terrible? I mean, Karen Knightley is in this movie. Right. Yeah. That does make it a lot better. Um, bet you fucks don't know who Karen Knightley is in this movie, do you? Yeah. <laughs> she's the Pat she's Padme's double. She plays the queen. Yeah. Karen Knightley is twelve years old in this movie. Did you know that? 
Yeah, I did know that. I didn't know her exact age, but I knew she was young. Yeah, because she was they, 12. They got her to be roughly about the same age as Natalie Portman so that they would look, and they do look very similar even at that age. Yeah, they said whenever Karen Knightley's mother would come on the set and they were both dressed in the uh, queen uh, gear. The dresses, yeah. Uh, she didn't know which one was her daughter or which one was uh, Natalie Portman. So that's pretty good because on the screen can't tell if you can yeah if you can fool a mother like that that's saying something the only difference i think that you could actually find there if you look really close their lips that's it right yeah. their faces are shaped pretty much the same like their eye height and their nose and all that's pretty much exactly the same Karen knightley just has kind of thicker lips yeah but other than that yeah about the same body style too so yeah it's really crazy because portman was older um by a few years and the reason that george lucas wanted portman is because the movie the professional the uh, leon the professional yeah Yeah. so he that's why he wanted natalie portman because he was she was his first choice to play padme yeah um and the, one of the things that it gets to in here is related to Queen Amidala, right? Wow. So, hey, Great how about segue. this? Yes. We are professionals at this. <laughs> uh, but it says, uh, there are a thousand instances of questionable logic in this movie. Like, when did, why did Queen Amidala reveal, her, reveal herself when she did? Why did she want to go back to Naboo so badly if it would do no good? whatsoever and she would probably just get killed are we supposed to believe that a 10 year old is going to have twins with her eventually uh why is she called a queen anyway if naboo is supposed to be a democracy why did the natives of naboo share one collective brain cell to elect a teenager to run their planet and what kind of name is naboo anyway (laughs) wow it's a lot in that paragraph right there but you know (laughs) for one she comes from a political family. Right. Uh, she's She always does what's best for her people, and she thought at the time that she was the one that could do the best for her people. So yep. that's why she was elected as queen. Queen is just a title. It isn't a monarch. It is a democracy, but she's just called queen. Because that's what they call But they ruler. hold elections, and just like you know, whenever she became a senator... She was elected a senator of Naboo because she gave, you know, her term of queenship was over. Yeah. So it's definitely a democracy. She's just called Queen Amidala, as would be the next queen, pretty much, right? Yeah. Because uh, sure. that's just kind of like the, it's just like, she's supposed to be kind of like a Queen of England type thing, where you can have like Elizabeth the Fourth and the Fifth and then different names of the monarch. Uh, like you know, in France, like uh, King Louis the first, second, third, fourth, yeah, and so on. So yeah, King George the first, King George the second, like you know that kind of stuff. Like the one we have right now, that's the sitting monarch is Queen Elizabeth the second, right? You know, but the the thing that uh, like when she reveals herself to the Gungans that that didn't make any sense. When I mean, she basically had to maintain that ruse for as long as possible until she needed the Gungans' help. Yeah, but the other, you know, the other queen couldn't um, speak in the authority that she could speak, so she was just like, I'm going to expose myself to them because we need help. We're yeah. going to get invaded, and we need all the help we can get. Yeah. 
left. And then my she, decoy can't do this anymore. She even kneeled to him just to show them that they didn't think they were better than them. Yeah. And then the Gungans liked that. And uh, and it's I think for people that say that, you know, like the political stuff doesn't make sense. I mean it does and like that completely makes sense when it happens because you know, they they need the Gungans' help severely, and so she's like, "My decoy can't do this." This is also a fictional universe. He can make it make sense in any fucking way he wants to make it right? make sense yeah. because he created it. Yeah, so, understand that. Yeah, people always want to try and compare these movies to real life things. How many movies have we covered so far that have anything to do with reality? None of them. None of them. They probably won't. The closest to reality we've covered is Timothy Dalton as James Bond. Yeah. And even that's a little bit fantastical, too, because it's James James Bond Bond. universe. That guy guy would die in, like, 12 minutes if he did half the shit he did in real life. Yeah, but in a movie, he's a badass. It's awesome. Yeah. Nobody complains. Just sit there and enjoy it. Yeah. Stop bitching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, Let's see. So, just kind of skip... Was there anything else in this one that was uh, pretty good? Uh, oh, yeah, here oh, we there's go. There's nothing in this one that was good. Yeah, I mean, just, like, things that, like, I think kind of sum up some of the hate people have for it. But on this one, it says, as for the so-called Phantom Menace, which is in quotes, by the way, conspiracy, does the initiation into the Jedi Knighthood include an IQ curtailment? Why didn't those clods figure out at once that Palpatine was behind it all along? In the end, I found myself rooting for Palpatine slash... Sidious, Darth Sidious, simply because he was uh, geometrically more intelligent than any of the other characters and would probably do a pretty good job of ruling the universe. At least he would be a better emperor than George Lucas as a screenwriter. So he's basically <laughs> hoping for the Galactic Empire to win. A um, bunch of murders and, you know, just... Basically, this is basically what this guy just said. Let me simplify for you what you don't understand. The Empire is supposed to be Nazi Germany. And what is Emperor Palpatine supposed to be? He's supposed to be fucking Hitler. Yep. So, what this guy just said is just because, like, let's say Hitler was more aware and more intelligent than, you know, the Allied countries. He's like, well, he should win. And just rule the fucking world. So he's like, I'm cool with like, you know, Jews getting put into ovens and tortured. Camps. Camps and stuff like that. This, I mean, the emperor is just as much of a psychopath as Hitler was in this. Yeah. He was inspired by Hitler. Yeah. I mean, he's even, (laughs) I mean, even his story to a degree mirrors uh, Hitler's. Because Hitler was basically, you know elected to be the chancellor now Sidious is a little bit different because they they did like a special election to name him the chancellor but he becomes you know chancellor of the galactic senate and hitler became the chancellor of germany what happens when there's a crisis and there's like a vacuum of power hitler took that power and instead of calling himself chancellor hitler he became the fuhrer (laughs) the fuhrer which, Which is exactly what happens in this movie. You have the Emperor, basic, or, well, he will become the Emperor, but Palpatine, basically, when the whole thing happens with Chancellor Valorum, is like, you know, there's going to be a vote of no confidence, and, you know, I'm, like, one of the candidates. Which George Lucas based uh, Senator Valorum on Bill Clinton. Did he? <laughs> that is a fact. Oh, really? That's interesting, because uh, Bill uh, 
old Billy Bob is uh, still, you know, pretty well into. Well, he's pretty much at, towards the end of his term by the time yeah. this happens because this is '99. So yeah, Bill still had a couple of years left. But yeah, I found that out and I was like, oh, that kind of. But George does a lot of political stuff in his movies. I mean, you know, wars that don't make a lot of sense. Like the whole war that starts to happen when the Clone Wars happens in Episode Two. Right. I mean, that's basically commentary on Vietnam. This is just a pointless war because the political machinations happening. And well, it's basically you know uh, countless distractions and giving you an enemy to point at. And this is why the Jedi Council didn't know that Palpatine was uh, the Sith Lord. They weren't looking for a Sith Lord. Uh, they were. They thought they didn't focus. exist anymore. Yeah, they were. They were focusing on. Uh, the uh, Trade Federation and stuff like that and the fights uh, that was going on. And just other Senate things because they kind of work as you know, sort of a side thing to the Senate because when the Senate has a problem, they usually send the Jedis in to go handle disputes and things like that because that's exactly what Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are sent to do at the beginning of the movie is to figure out what's going on with the blockade outside of Naboo. Yeah, and they, and they, also, sense, they also sense things. Um... Like we said, Obi-Wan senses something that's elsewhere and elusive. Yeah, so they they do sense things. They just can't pinpoint it. I mean, the, yeah. the Jedi Force isn't, isn't magic. It doesn't like, hey, there's Sith around. Oh, Palpatine's a Sith. That's not how the Force works. Yeah, that's not how the Force works. You know, I mean, Yoda would have, like, I mean, if that's how the Force works, Yoda, Palpatine would have walked in the room and Yoda would have been like, well, that's a Sith. Yeah. No, that's not, that's not how it works. But yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and one of the things like I think it's in here somewhere. I think I have the, the somebody in here that really bitches about midichlorians for like a whole paragraph, right? They're like, "Oh, it ruins the magic of Star Wars and all that stuff." And I'm like, "Star Wars isn't really magic when you think about it because, you know, the whole idea of like a, a life force or essence being inside of a being is a natural thing. It's a it's a science type thing." Yeah. And all Lucas did was just give it a name. He just gave it the name midichlorians. And then has Qui-Gon explain it to, you know, Anakin in the movie. And then people were like, oh, well, you just ruined the Force, man. It's like, no. Uh, all he did was just explain roughly what the Force is to a degree. It is something that can be measured. You put science in a sci-fi movie? Fuck you, George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, you're a loser. You can't write. You're an idiot. But uh, so Why this... would you name that? <laughs> Scientists don't do that shit. Right. They don't measure stuff. <laughs> they just... Guess really good, right? Isn't right. that what scientists do? Yeah, it's just like a really good educated <laughs> it's guess. Good guessing game. They get like dice, they put some words on it, roll it, it's like we're going to fucking Mars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's send probes to Saturn. Um uh, you know, as opposed to probes to Uranus. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this is uh, what this guy needs. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe that guy, if he actually had his anus probed, he wouldn't be on IMDb bitching about Star Wars. Maybe E.T. phone homed him up the butthole. Right, with the glowy finger. With the glowy finger. <laughs> E.T.'s in this fucking movie too, by the way. Yeah, the E.T. E. species is part of the of the, the Galactic Senate in Star Wars. That's, that's canon. You can actually see them in the movie. Yeah, and Sophia Coppola is actually in this movie also. Sophia Coppola is? Where is she Yeah, at? she's uh, part of the royal entourage. Oh, uh, Padme's entourage? Yeah. Or, well, the Queen's entourage, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the second comment is from uh, Marty L. 27. Well, Marty, I guess, you, I mean, yeah, you probably are an L because you're a loser. <laughs> because you're out here 
you know, doing IMDb comments, right? And so this also is from, like, this is from May of 1999. This is the same month that the movie itself came out. Or, or no, it's 27th of May, 1999. Uh, the 27th is not part of his username. That's actually the date. You know, fun fact. <laughs> I read that wrong. Uh, That's but, okay. <laughs> it might have sounded better if he would have put a 27 behind yeah, it. Yeah, Marty L27. That sounds like a username, doesn't it? It does. Um, we'll go with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it says, keep in mind while reading my comments that I am and always will be an avid Star Wars fan. This is going to get fun, Steve. It sounds uh, like right. I am and always will be a Star Wars fan. Having said that, I'm fuck tear this, this movie. movie. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, the first three films helped define my childhood and have stayed with me into early adulthood. The themes and sheer fun of the trilogy are truly rare in this day and age. Okay, so that sounds pretty positive to start off with. Let's see how this turns. That being said, The Phantom Menace, which is in quotes, by the way. He's going to say something about Jar Jar. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's coming here. Uh, it's perhaps one of the worst films I have ever had to sit through, and a disgrace to both Star Wars and Lucasfilm. A true embarrassment. I was, I was near tears through most of the film. Seeing it on opening night, I was thrilled as the trademark intro script rolled up the screen. Everything that followed was truly horrifying, starting with the most ridiculously stereotypical Asian alien bad guys, this side of Ming the Merciless. Add to that a completely dreadful script, way too many effects, no discernible plot line, and dreary action sequences, which is in quotes, uh, and you have yourself a real stinker. And I won't waste any space talking about the apocalyptic disaster that is Jar Jar Binks. It's called it. Yep. See, you were like, I think probably one of the first things he talks about is Jar Jar. That's that's usually that's the go-to for people that hate this movie, right? And what about um, Jar Jar? He's like in twenty minutes of this. Movie. Yeah, he's not even like the main character of this movie. He's just kind of like along for the ride. Which, if you know anything about Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, it's a lot about characters that are kind of getting swept up in the journey together as they come across new people. I mean, to a degree, that's what Star Wars is. It's basically George Lucas's sort of like fan, like, you know, film basically on how much he loves Akira Kurosawa's movies. I mean, there's a lot of things about Hidden Fortress that are inside, you know, episode four, and he uses a lot of different movies as inspiration for ideas that he has inside the Star Wars universe. I mean, even Darth Vader's helmet is shaped like a samurai's helmet. That's not that's not done just for like shits and giggles. He does that on purpose. Yeah. Because Vader's supposed to look like an imposing, you know, samurai warrior basically. I mean, cuz people in Japan love Darth Vader because of that look. Because it's old school to them. It reminds them of their past, you know. Okay, so continuing on. Uh, here we go with uh, the actors again, right? Poor Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, and Natalie Portman. Three of the finest actors to grace the screen today, and they have nothing at all to work with. Meanwhile, all the dialogue goes to Jar Jar and Anakin, played awfully by Jake Lloyd. Side note, am I the only one concerned with the fact that through the whole movie, everyone calls the future Darth Vader Annie? <laughs> Didn't bother me. Yeah, because that's short for Anakin. I, I think, I mean, that's case closed. That right? seems pretty legit. Right. Uh, so he goes on. Uh, Darth Maul would be a formidable villain, assuming, of course, that he had any lines, which he doesn't. He is silent during the entire lightsaber duel with Neeson and McGregor, eliminating the verbal duel that was at the heart of Vader's fights with Luke in the original series. 
His role seems detached, and his presence does not seem to affect the sequence of events in, in the least. We need Darth Maul to be very conversational. Right. Like, he's he needs a to... weapon. What is he going to say? Like you said, he has like three lines of dialogue in the whole movie. Yeah, Lucas cut that for a reason. He's like, ah, this guy talks too much. Let's get to the fight. He's a weapon. It doesn't matter what he has to say or what he has to do. The talking is not in the Sith. Is usually done by the master, right? Isn't right. the master yeah. normally the one who does most of the talking? I mean, even when you have the Emperor and Vader dynamic in the later movies, Anakin or Vader doesn't really talk all that much because he usually lets his master do most of the talking. Maul does that to a T because Maul is designed to be a weapon. That is what he's supposed to be. You know, so I think that the... Uh, I think the thing that for a lot of people that makes a difference is that when you have somebody like Darth Maul, he's not specifically designed to be super conversational because what is he going to add to the movie? Like, is he going to, you know, add something that's going to be extremely important to the movie? I don't think so. I think really what it's going to come down to is that Maul needs to be uh, an opponent, but he's not going to really add anything in terms of dialogue. He's not going to add things to the story or, or anything like that necessarily. I mean, he's meant to, to he's meant to basically be something in the way that Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon have to deal with because they've not seen Sith ever, really. I mean, Obi-Wan definitely has never seen a Sith before because he's still fairly young. But the whole concept that, you know, Maul has to do all kinds of talking and that he's boring because he doesn't talk and all that kind of stuff. Maul is still a very interesting character in of his own right because of he's like mysterious. You have, you know, no idea what, you know, his like intentions are because he doesn't talk all that much. It keeps him mysterious. But... You know, this guy probably is like some kind of a Boba Fett fan because Boba Fett has like six lines of dialogue. Yeah, that, you know, in the whole movie. And <laughs> look, the, the 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 thing about the Darth Maul thing is like, yeah, okay, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but they brought him back in like other forms to try to keep him alive, just because he was so popular. Yeah, they even brought him back in the in the you know the cartoon or the animated series for the clone wars right i mean he was he was so popular amongst everybody maybe even as popular as boba fett and uh yeah i mean they engineered a, a way that he could still be alive even after being cut in half by obi-wan which i i wasn't a fan of them uh keeping him alive after that but i got it i mean they didn't realize he was going to be that popular he was just supposed to kind of be a obstacle for uh you know obi-wan and qui-gon and yeah it's a little life-changing event when he meets uh when you have uh when qui-gon first shows up you know to or when he like when he when they're on when they're trying to get onto the ship and they're trying to escape from tatooine and he's basically changing after, or he's chasing after uh, Qui-Gon, and he jumps off the speeder bike and everything, and then he starts attacking him. That moment starts to change a lot of things, because Qui-Gon doesn't know who he is. 
Obi-Wan doesn't know who he is, definitely. And then you have like an issue where now all of a sudden they're looking at what might possibly be a Sith and neither of them have had to deal with this before. So I, I Sith don't... Lar- lords are his speciality. Right, yeah. I, I don't think that, that people really realize like what his role is supposed to be in the movie. Uh, he's basically there to be sort of a, a world-changing event for both of them. Because by making his presence known to two Jedis, one of them who could have been a master, and one that's on his way towards a master like Obi-Wan is, yeah. you know, now all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, hell, we Sith are out there. Like, we've just seen one. And he's highly trained. Like, who taught this guy how to do all this? Yeah, one, one just killed my master, and then, I, you know, I cut him in half because I'm Obi-Wan. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh. And that's what Obi-Wan do. That's what Obi-Wan do. <laughs> um, Speaking of Obi-Wan, just uh, uh, since we talked about the Qui-Gon Jinn thing that people was, that, that they were going to get to play, there was other people that was considered to be Obi-Wan also. Yeah. Uh, and um, one of them was Kenneth Branagh. Oh, really? Okay, that would have been interesting. That was actually... Uh, I think George Lucas's first choice, but he turned it down. And then the other people that are mentioned are Hugh Jackman, okay, Tim Roth, and Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, apparently George Lucas is a big fan, and uh, I think they got the right person. Obviously, uh, <laughs> even Hugh Jackman would have been interesting, but. Not as Obi Wan Kenobi. I I just a part of me just keeps just keeps thinking that like if it had been Harry Connick Jr., it, it you know as soon as like the you know they would have been taking off in in the Queen ship to leave Tatooine you know like kind of in like the at the end of the second act basically <laughs> let's kick the fires and you know light the you know <laughs> let's kick the tires and light these fires Big Daddy you know like I just that does not work for Obi Wan because oh, no, he would no. be too energetic He's for that. He's too energetic, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and and uh, you know, who knows? We might have an episode that we could do on Independence Day, the original one. Hell, we could probably do both of them, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> who can. knows? Independence Day might be a future episode. Yeah. Because uh, I I love the first movie, and the second movie I thought was pretty cool. Is it is the same as the first one? No, because it didn't have Will Smith. But uh, you know, I, I didn't hate the uh, Resurgence movie. I thought it was cool. It had more Jeff Goldblum, which is always awesome. You all you have to do is just say we got Jeff Goldblum in this movie, and I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm you in. know, new Jurassic World movie. Jeff Goldblum's back. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. As if it's not awesome enough, already having Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. I mean, now it's like we got Goldblum coming back. We got Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, we got Goldblum. He's in this, guys. We did it. We fucking did it. <laughs> we did it. We got him. Uh, Instant but, uh, billion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just we're gonna make a billion on this, guys. Just you know, start getting your money counters ready. Uh, so, jumping ahead here a little bit. So these next couple comments are basically from the mid two thousands, right? So this uh, this one right here, uh, this is a uh, Fra- Fraser Stewart. So. Uh, are they like a fan of Fraser? Are they a fan of or a fan of Patrick Stewart? Or I guess that's just their name. No, maybe a little bit of both. He's like, look, we if you take Fraser and Patrick Stewart and mix them together, that's basically me. That's me. <laughs> I'm uh, super intelligent. I have my own radio show. Bald. 
bald. <laughs> um, I look like I'm like 40 when I'm like 80 years old. Right. <laughs> he still doesn't look like he's aged the day, Patrick Stewart. Like, he still looks like so he's... So just a... bring him back. It's like, we don't want to bring him back to Star Trek because he could pass it any time. Are you serious? I mean, he's immortal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Christopher Lee didn't didn't die till he was what 400 years old 400 years old i mean i think that's a fact you could probably google that you could google it his birthday was like 1412 (laughs) that's the reason they got him to do lord of the rings because he's probably seen that shit for real he was there he's like no no there are hobbits good i'm glad you're into character yeah that's what it is character yeah i've I've actually seen hobbits for real but anyway go ahead peter just go ahead and direct until peter is like no no that's not what happened if you'd stab somebody and it's like how do you know he's like I've stabbed somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. fun little fact, just since we're on the topic of Christopher Lee, because, you know, he also is a Star Wars character, too. He's Count Dooku. But I always thought that was funny that, you know, he's trying to tell him about, you know, when uh, Grima Wormtongue, you know, stabs him in the back or whatever when he's, you know, playing Sauron. and Or not a Sauron, um, Saruman. Saruman. Uh, um, There's so many. Yeah. All that stuff sounds similar, so I get <laughs> mixed up. Uh, so when he, you know, stabs him in the back, like literally and puts the knife in him and, you know, Peter's trying to give him direction on like, you know, go ahead and like, you know, do the sounds, you know? And then he was like, Peter, have you ever stabbed a man before? And he's like, no, I haven't. He was like, I have, I know what to do, you know? (laughs) And he was like, he's like, so he got really curious and he was like, so how do you know what it sounds like when you, when you stab a man to death basically? And he was like. He was, you know, he's like, I was an officer in World War II. You know, he was, Christopher Lee was a very, he was a very well-trained, like, you know, almost like a Black Ops type officer. Yeah, Christopher Lee is actually one of the guys that was in Lord of the Rings that was, uh, you know, a veteran of war, just like J.R.R. Tolkien was. Yeah, and it's it's (laughs) interesting, too, because I think when, when you look at, like characters like Count Dooku, for example, when you see Christopher Lee play that character, and you know that was one of the things that I really liked about Episode Two, and we'll get more into Count Dooku and stuff when we get to Episode Two on the next episode. But uh, when you have somebody like Christopher Lee playing a villain, it just it feels right, just like it feels right to have Ian McDiarmid play the Emperor or or Palpatine. Because they just, they have this way of acting. And Ian McDiarmid in real life is like a really good person. Everybody loves working with that guy on Star Wars because of how awesome of a dude he is. But he plays evil so well, you know? Um, But anyway, so getting on to Fraser Stewart's uh, review here, which is a 1 out of 10. Oh, and the tagline says, Dear God, No. (laughs) And this is from December 10th. No! (laughs) No! This is from December 10th, 2007, right? So this is even after, like, Revenge of the Sith. He's seen the entire trilogy of the prequels by this point, I'm assuming. Ugh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we get to that, that episode's probably going to be three hours because Steve will want to talk about it for that long. It will probably be longer than the runtime of the movie. many of times. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, he starts off by saying, uh, this movie was crap, and I really mean crap. What was Lucas thinking having Anakin as a little boy? I remember the stories that Obi-Wan... Oh, this is Patton Oswalt. <laughs> this might be. Uh, I remember the stories that Obi-Wan uh, told about how he first met Anakin uh, to Luke during the original trilogy. 
When I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot, but I was amazed at how strongly the Force was with him. I took it upon myself to train him as a Jedi. To me, I imagined a young man, probably an army officer in some sort of Air Force, meeting a 40- to 50-year-old Obi-Wan, who is a proper Jedi, not a learner, which is in all caps when it says not a learner. Obi-Wan befriends, then offers uh, to teach the young man about the Force, much like he did with Luke. Only the young man is much more aggressive than Luke was. Why have such an obvious plot contradiction? That's Actually, it's not because uh, Anakin was a pilot. Uh, he was yeah, just a boy. He was, he was a pod racing pilot, though. Yeah, he could fly a ship. Actually, the first thing he does in that is pilots a ship, goes up, and destroys the droid the, control the ship. Droid yeah, so he was a pilot. Yeah, and. <laughs> so yeah, when you when you see stuff like that, and it's like he definitely he actually flies a fighter in that movie, yeah. and he's one of the only humans in the entire universe that can actually control a pod, a pod racer. You know, it's like Obi Wan has definitely seen this kid do some stuff that was amazing. So when the, when you go back to something like that, it definitely makes sense. Uh, so then it gets into the next thing. Then there is my biggest beef. Remember the line that Obi Wan gives Luke in A New Hope. When he sees Luke with R2-D2 and C-3PO, what does he say? I don't remember ever owning a droid. Uh, he didn't at any time own C-3PO or R2-D2. Nope. And he says that for a fact. But yeah. also, if you're analyzing Obi-Wan Kenobi's uh, things that he says to Luke, um, he lies to Luke. <laughs> yeah, often. <laughs> So this, from a this, from a certain point of view, <laughs> from a certain point of view, but literally he's not manipulating them. He's just trying to shield them from the truth, which would have been heartbreaking to someone like Luke, which was still a kid. Yeah, I mean he's in A New Hope. He's twenty years old. Yeah, know? I mean what are you, what are you going to tell him? It's like your dad's like the like darkest Sith Lord of all time, and he's murdered. Kids. He's murdered kids, and you know I met him whenever he was a little kid, and I was like, I don't want to train this fucking guy, and Qui Gon gets killed, and then that he's you can't like put that in a fucking movie, right? People will be like, this dude's talking forever. Yeah, <laughs> just leaves us like that old grandpa that won't shut up about the good old days. You know, he told he told him what he needed to tell him so he could keep training. Yeah. Uh, and and then and then it continues on. And it says, "Yet R two D two saved his life in this film, and C three PO was supposedly built by Anakin Skywalker." What the fuck? They actually put WTF in all capitals, right? He didn't uh, say he didn't know who the droids were. He said he never owned them. He says, "I don't remember ever owning a droid," and he didn't. He's entirely right with that. He's not like, "Oh, well, I you know I, I've never seen this droid before." He says, "I don't remember ever owning a droid." And he's right. He didn't. He didn't ever own R two D two. He had R four. That R four was his. Yeah. You know. Um, so whatever, whatever happened to R four? I I don't know. I think I think that droid just got assigned to him because Obi Wan didn't really have a droid like Anakin did. Anakin was very much attached to R two D two. You know, as much as he was attached to Padme, his wife, he was also really big into R two D two. Yeah. And he built C three PO. Didn't really care about him. He gave C three PO to to Padme. <laughs> like, like here, what? just be the butler for the for our our apartment. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Anakin's like trying to force choke C three PO. Shit doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> you gave me the wrong fruit, asshole. <laughs> He's just trying to choke him. What are you doing, Master Anakin? <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I, you're a droid. I can't actually hurt you. 
Should um, I tell somebody you keep trying to choke me? <laughs> right, yeah. No, keep your mouth shut. Uh, but it says, uh, do you not think that Obi-Wan would remember that? Maybe he's getting senile in his old age. He knows the he knows who C-3PO and R2-D2 are. Yeah, he just very obvious. Yeah, he just, uh, because when, he's, when he sees R2, he, he has a bit of a look about him that he's like, oh, this was Anakin's droid. Yeah, he, he like stuff is starting to come back to him, you know. Um, but it says, uh, another thing in Empire Strikes Back, Obi-Wan clearly states that Yoda was his master. Remember how he persuades Yoda to teach Luke all about the Force? Was I any different when you taught me? Uh, of course, it's perfectly conceivable that Obi-Wan had more than one master, but it's made perfectly obvious in the film that Qui-Gon was his only master. Nope, never says that. Actually, Yoda nope. trains the younglings in the yep. academy. So yes, Yoda was Obi-Wan's master. When he so, was a youngling. <laughs> but so this the... guy's problem is he doesn't pay attention. Right. And he's watched all three of them, and he's still This is too... 2007. He's. I would assume he's already seen... Episode 1, 2, and 3 before he wrote this. So, he's just too stupid to put things together. I mean, you see fucking Yoda training all the younglings in the academy. Yeah, in episode 2, <laughs> he basically has an entire sequence when Obi-Wan's trying to figure out, like, what's going on with the missing... Or, you know, what's going on? Why can't they find the planet of Kamino? Because... You know, when he goes to talk to uh, uh, it's like his uh, his uh, buddy over in the diner, right? And he gets information, and he was like, "It looks like it's a Camino, you know, dart." And, and so then he's like, "Well, where's Camino? Because I need to find this planet." And Yoda's like, "You know, what happened to you know Master Obi Wan's you know missing planet?" And the yeah. kids figure it out. And the it's kids like, figure it out. And he's like, them. maybe, you know, somebody erased it from, you know, from the Jedi's archives. And he was like, you know, he's like, truly wonderful, the mind of a child. You know, because he trains them when they're young. Yeah, he trains them and then... Okay. And then they're giving to a master. Okay, yeah. Well, not given for to a master, necessarily. They're chosen by a master. Well, yeah. To train them. Because every master... Unless uh, it's Anakin has... and Ahsoka. He was just given Ahsoka. <laughs> well those rules are wishy-washy sometimes because they were in war it was wartime things happened right yeah. okay <laughs> but like the exact thing that happened with uh which isn't in the movie but everyone should know this um obi-wan as a child was kind of a rebellious child and no one actually wanted to train him yeah until qui-gon seen him with a saber and then offered to spar with him, and Obi-Wan was amazing. And then, because Qui-Gon didn't want to, he didn't want to have a Padawan. Uh, but he was kind of forced to get one by the council. Yeah, because when you're at that point where, you know, they're considering you to be a master, you have to take a Padawan in to, to train to knighthood to prove that you can be of master quality. Yeah, nobody That's wanted, kind of your trial to become a master. Yeah, nobody wanted Obi-Wan, so Obi-Wan probably trained for Yoda longer than most kids did. So he considered Yoda his master, and then so, you know, Qui-Gon seen his skills with a saber and then wanted him. Right. And also his defiance. He's seen his defiance in him, too, and Qui-Gon was a big fan of that. Yeah, because, yeah, he definitely went against the, the council in several things. That's why... That's why Qui-Gon wasn't considered a master himself because he was a bit of a rebel, you know. But who better to train a kid that's a rebel than somebody like Qui-Gon, you know, because, you know, he, he went against, 
normally what they do. I mean, he does use those force powers to kind of influence things, like you know when he's you know basically using Watto's greed against him, you know, and he's not doing anything that's shady necessarily, but he does kind of fix the dice, like he slows the dice down to make sure that he can win Anakin in that. Yeah, and the reason that he gets so mad is because those are rigged dice. Yeah, those are weighted dice. They're supposed to land on blue, right? Uh, or was it red? It's supposed so. to land on whatever one they... The they color use. that's favorable to Watto. To him, at all times. And then he uses the force to put them on his side. And then that's why he gets so mad, but he can't say... Those were rigged. I, I rigged those I rigged dice. dice I rigged those <laughs> dice. You screwed me, Jedi. <laughs> and he's also a cripple, by the way. If you didn't notice, uh, he, he's a cripple. That's why he's always flying, because you see like his jaws kind of sideways and his foot's messed up. Yeah, uh, that's why he has to use his wings most of the time. Yeah, right. that's why he's always floating. Um, which is weird because. Watto is an entirely CG character, and people hate Jar Jar Binks because he's entirely CG. Nobody says shit about Watto. Nobody says anything about Watto, and by the way, Greedo is in this movie. Yeah, he's one of the little alien kids that's around Anakin when yep. he's working on he's his pod. He's one of Anakin's friends. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy, too. It's like, you know, hey, eventually... Uh, you're going to get killed by Han Solo. <laughs> you're going to get murdered by Han Solo. <laughs> and um, Han shot first. We didn't need that fix uh uh george because uh who cares han's supposed to be a scumbag but he wasn't gonna sit there and let guido kill him he knew what guido was there for you he's said guido shoot. he's not italian <laughs> isn't he italian <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure java is because java's like a yeah mafia he's a mob dog. boss yeah so i was right <laughs> he might be a guido because he Doesn't works robert for... de niro play java the hut <laughs> 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 Depending on what De Niro's been eating. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, De Niro. Yeah, we, we love you, Robert De Niro. We're not making fun of your weight. I, I'm i a fat guy, so I can't yeah. say anything to you. Um, Bad guy. <laughs> oh, God, if I ever find hate for Tommy Boy, we will do a two-hour episode on Tommy Boy. If you hate Tommy Boy, I will kill you. <laughs> right. Just send us your Just send us your coordinates, and we will track you down on Google Maps. Uh, but anyway, um, so the next comment, this is from 2005. So uh, this was just a little bit after the other. This was a little bit before the other one because this is uh, May 12th of 2005. So this would have been right around the time that Revenge of the Sith came out because that was like May of 05, if I remember right. Uh, it says, uh, this tawdry, awful, boring piece of rubbish makes me think that George Lucas knew the mere mention of the name Star Wars would attract an audience. So why bust his arse making it, you know? So I'm imagining this dude is from the UK and, uh... Or he just thinks this is a good way to make this. Yeah. Because it says Michael Oldfield is the person's name, uh, but it doesn't say that they're from the UK or anything. <laughs> but the only people who use the word arse are like either Irish or somebody from the UK. Like you're Northern Irish or something, you know. Or a uh, dickhead. <laughs> you're, just a, you're, you're just an arsehole. Um, uh, so it says, uh, why does it suck? Let me count the ways. Number count one. Em. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks. Of course. The most popular. Really enough said right there. Well, we could probably just end right there, you know? Yeah, enough said. <laughs> this guy, you know, 
Look, you guys go on IMDb and play a drinking game and take a shot every time the name Jar Jar is mentioned. <laughs> right, you'll be yeah. out in like 25 seconds. Yeah, you just, you'll be done. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, Lucas uh, was uh, so full of himself promoting a fully digital character, he didn't bother making sure it was a good character. It wasn't. The <laughs> annoying little kid who played Darth Vader. Uh, I'm sorry, but kid or not, little Darth would not be saying yippee when flying about. Also, Lucas missed a great moment to show how bad oh, little Darth on. could have uh, become in the chariot race. So this guy, he created Darth Vader. This dude? Uh, he, he he doesn't have any credits. No, no credits say, posted. Yeah, that says that he wrote Darth Vader, so he knows what okay, Darth okay. Vader was as a child when he you know before right. he turned to the dark side. So. Um, so. And who created Darth Vader? Uh, I believe curious. that was George Lucas. Okay, so... Yeah. I mean, we don't have to go in and look, but I'm pretty sure that George Lucas created everything in okay, Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, shows how bad little Darth could become in the chariot race. Let's face it, it's lifted straight from Ben-Hur. Uh, so he's basically saying the pod race is basically straight from Ben-Hur, like he ripped that off. I never uh, even thought about that. Uh, but now that he mentions it, that's retarded. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he could have had Darth flinch or gesture involuntarily and push the other racers away from him or something similar without, re without realizing what he had done. That would have been great. Uh, the, the little kid just murdering everybody yeah. in his race. Hey, Sebulba, you're a piece of crap. I'm just going to throw you into a rock and hope you die. Yeah, Qui-Gon would be like, we must train this boy. He's yeah. a great racer. He just used the Force to kill them all. Oh, right. He will do whatever he has to for victory. That's a good Jedi Qui-Gon's like, oh, second thought, I'll take Shmi. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take uh, Mama Skywalker because... You know, I mean, she's cute, you know, and she's lonely. You keep the kid. You, <laughs> you keep the kid because apparently he's a psychopath. And he needs to be here working in your jump shop, junk shop cleaning stuff. Because if he's actually out there, he's a danger to everyone in the universe. <laughs> we give him a lightsaber. Eventually he's going to challenge Obi-Wan to a fight and get his ass kicked. And then turn into this robot thing and fucking kill everybody. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, it says, uh, uh, number three, point three, taking a good actor like Natalie Portman and making her speak in a dull monotone, uh, throughout the film. I think they meant monotone voice. Uh, but anyway, uh, that'll put the audience to sleep. Uh, number four, using weak comedy relief robots for the bad guys. We can't have little Darth shooting real people, can we? Uh, number five, introduce this ridiculous concept of the, uh, whatever they are in the blood. Which is midichlorians. If you uh, actually paid attention to episode one, you'd, you'd know that it was midichlorians. It's not hard to remember. Yeah, it's not hard to, to remember. No, whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, uh, when Alec Guinness explained the force in the original, he made it sound great. Liam Neeson, not his fault, made it sound like a blood disease. No, he didn't. <laughs> They're clearly, like, People you know... People are hating on Liam Neeson. This is shocking yeah this <laughs> I mean, is this, this is not the we hate liam neeson podcast at all but this is just this is very shocking that yeah because i thought he was amazing in this movie uh, yeah i mean you know qui-gon's like one of the best parts of that movie i think because of how awesome liam neeson plays that character yeah, qui-gon wasn't even supposed to be a part of the this trilogy uh obi-wan was supposed to be the master but then um See these this this trilogy is about Obi Wan, yeah. So that's why you have Qui Gon. You have Qui Gon with an apprentice, and he loses his master. And you hope same thing happens. 
Yeah. Um, things are supposed to kind of flow that way and how George Lucas imagines, imagines yeah. it. Because he's... Uh, he was a big fan of uh, like Shakespearean plays and Roman tragedies and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, also like the whole H.G. Wells type stuff. So he puts that into a Star Wars story. Um, it might not always happen the same way, but he likes to keep things kind of flowing in that type of manner. So, having said that, what happens in Phantom Menace just solidifies that this story is about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Because the other one, it happens to Luke that his master gets killed. Or not really killed, he just turns into a force ghost. But He becomes more powerful <clears throat> than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Qui-Gon does the same thing. He's actually the one that teaches Obi-Wan to do it. So, Yeah, but uh, the, since you were talking about how you feel like Obi-Wan is kind of, you know, becomes the main point of this movie, right? So I ran out of IMDb comments because IMDb changed uh, their filtering system. So you can't just filter by pure hate anymore. You have to scroll through comments and find the, well, in our case, the gems of the hate. Uh, There are, on IMDb alone, there are 3,600 reviews for episode one, Phantom Menace. I think they did this because of us. <laughs> right. They're probably like, you know what? These guys are blowing us up on SoundCloud about the hate comments. So we're going to try and make it where you can't filter by the hate. You can only, it only shows what's the most helpful at the very beginning, which is, you know, positive comments. Cause there's a lot of people that gave this 10 out of 10. Uh, there's a lot of people that gave it a one out of 10, a two out of 10. Fact though, four uh, out of 10. since we're talking about uh, critics, Robert Ebert gave this movie a three and a half out of four. Oh, really? Ebert actually loved the movie. He called it, and I quote, an astonishing achievement in imaginative filmmaking. Yeah. And, you know, that's That from... guy's a dick. Right. Uh, <laughs> if, yeah, I mean, if Ebert gives you a good review, then you know you did something right. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, when you... So I had to look for some other things. And what I did when I was on Google, uh, when I was doing research for this... I typed in, why do people hate Phantom Menace? (laughs) And I got a whole bunch of stuff. Now, there's some people that are trying to kind of go back and and talk better about it now. Uh, But there's still a ton of people that think that this was the stuff that ruined Star Wars for a lot of people was the prequels, right? Uh, So the, the first result that you get when you go to Quora, which is like a website where you can ask questions... And then you have other people that kind of chime in their responses. So uh, on Quora, one of the things that like when people say, why do people hate episode one like they do? This is the first result that you get. And this guy actually put pictures in it. Like he was doing some kind of like, you know, college dissertation or something. Like He was scrapbooking. He Basically, he was like, you know what? I hate this movie, but I'm going to go through and I'm going to find images of the Gungans, I'm gonna find images of like the characters from the movie, and you know, in the actual web page, it he has these pictures that basically break up his points and his bullet points, right? You know, on, on the version that I have here, it doesn't show the pictures, but he actually took the time to go in to image search and image search all these different things from the movie to add in so that his little post on Quora would look pretty. 
This guy thought he was changing the world. Yeah, he's like, you know what? This is going to be the be-all, end-all on episode one. Like, this is the review that you need to see. Um, so this is from January 13th, 2015. So this oh, is... Well. Sorry, guy. This this movie's already made a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're not ruining anything. So this is uh, Howie Reith, uh, and it says, I was obsessed with Star Wars as a kid. Now, this doesn't have, like, a star rating on it necessarily, um, so I'm going to imagine he's probably going to give it like a one or a two star. Cause that's usually what they do. Yeah. So it says, uh, uh, number one, the characters, there is no protagonist in the Phantom Menace. Anakin Skywalker has little understanding and control over what happens in the plot. Obi-Wan Kenobi sits in the ship. Most of the film Qui-Gon is distant, stoic and unrelatable. Padme is distant, stoic and unrelatable, unrelatable. Unlike most films in this genre, there's no clear person the audience is supposed to cheer for, relate to, and like, who is going through their journey and arc through the film, or to whom the strange and confusing universe is explained. The characters that do exist are emotionless caricatures. Nobody in The Phantom Menace seems like an actual person. Well, they're also monk-like. Um, yeah. I mean, you're... you're so they're not going to be crying the whole, the whole time. Yeah. I mean... You get Anakin, he misses his mom as soon as he loses, you know, leaves the planet and things like that. And he, he's sad, and then Padme comforts him. and Yeah, which is kind of like the start of their relationship because he, he looks to Padme as, you know, like one of the few people that actually, you know, likes him. And he likes Padme, which, if, you know, once we get to episode two, we, we're going to talk a whole bunch about Anakin and Padme. Yeah, but I'd say Qui-Gon in this particular movie is the protagonist. I mean, he's through the most part of the movie. He's the one that's dealing with kind of everything. Yeah. Until the end, but it passes the torch to Obi-Wan and the rest of the story is about Obi-Wan. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, people who want to say that, you know, there isn't a main character in this movie. The closest we get to a main character, it's probably Qui-Gon, like you're saying. And then eventually, once, you know, Qui-Gon has, has been killed by Maul, then the main character basically becomes Obi-Wan because now Obi-Wan's entrusted to take care of Anakin and, and that kind of stuff. So, but I, I would say that Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are basically the two most important characters in this movie because they are in it from beginning to end. They're right. in practically every scene. You know, most of the scenes that have anything going on have either Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan or both. So, uh, to me, it's kind of a duality thing. Like, that story doesn't exist if you don't have Master and Apprentice. Just like the story of the Empire doesn't exist without Master and Apprentice. Because Vader has to have the Emperor. Vader by himself wouldn't be anything if he didn't have Emperor Palpatine to deal with. You know, and Palpatine wouldn't be anything if he didn't have his Apprentice, right? Right. So, the Master and Apprentice relationship is always what drives these movies. And... That's the thing that makes Revenge of the Sith interesting is because he basically throws away Obi-Wan to take a new master that will teach him things that Obi-Wan wouldn't teach him. But the thing is, is that the one person that probably could have helped him through all of that is Obi-Wan. It's Obi-Wan, and that's that's something that we're going to discuss a little later. Yeah, because once we get to episode three, there's quite a bit of Obi-Wan and Anakin. Second movie has a lot of Anakin and Padme building, trying to get those two together. But Right, but that story is about Obi-Wan also. Yeah. They're just showing you the character development between Anakin and Padme, but showing you the storyline of 
Obi-Wan. Right. Uh, but number two on their point uh, says, number two, the plot. These are not the scripts you're looking for. <laughs> Yet again, people <laughs> complaining about the script and the screenplay. That was right? clever. Right. That was uh, clever. Yeah. The plot of The Phantom Menace makes no sense. The Trade Federation's motives for de devoting enormous amounts of resources to blockade Naboo's trade are never established. Pal Palpatine seems primarily interested in using the crisis on Naboo to become the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic, yet every single thing he does works counter to his goal. He is obsessed with getting the treaty between the Trade Federation and Naboo signed, which would put an end to the crisis and thus prevent him from becoming Supreme Chancellor. He orders the Trade Federation to kill the Jedi, which would have prevented knowledge of the invasion from reaching the Senate and prevented him from taking power. None of his behavior makes any sense whatsoever in achieving his apparent goals, and all the conflict is completely contrived. Well, he's got to have two personalities. The personality of a Sith Lord, and he has to have the personality of a... Um, a senator. A senator with good intentions. Mm -hmm. So he's doing both simultaneously, knowing that eventually it's going to fall apart. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what he's doing. He's What he's doing is basically... Again, mention the Roman Empire and the Senate. Yeah. Um, stuff like that was based off the mold of the Caesars. The, the Caesar archetype of yeah. person, yeah. And that's what he exposed, and that's what it's about. So, But, you know, I, I think a lot of times what happens is that when you... Whenever you start getting into this stuff... And people are like, well, you know, sometimes the things that he does doesn't make sense because he has this ultimate goal. Yes. But he's playing a very, very long, patient game here. He knows that he's got to put... It's basically like playing chess and you control every piece. Right. All I you're mean, doing is you're just trying to get it to where it makes sense to other people. And then whenever you have the ability to, you can call checkmate. What was checkmate for Palpatine? Getting Anakin to turn himself over to the dark side. As soon as he had Anakin, he's like, checkmate. I've got you. You're mine. Execute, Execute Order 66. 66. That's that was, checkmate. <laughs> that was checkmate for him. And it's like... He's got to he, set this up in he, this movie. He really is the whole chessboard in this whole battle whenever you look at it because he is the good side and the bad side. Yeah, he's he got... He controls all the pieces. Yeah, exactly. That's, why, that's what I always thought is that he's basically playing chess... And he has control of every piece, and he's trying to get that game to make sense to somebody who's looking at it from the outside. It's got to make sense. And that's the thing I think people forget about this. He has two very distinct personalities. When he's Sidious, he is a Sith, and he's everything that he does has an evil motive. When he is Palpatine, he's just a normal guy that just serves in the Naboo Senate. And yeah. he's got to be able to play both sides against each other. Right. Because he has to be able to play the Separatist. He has to play Dooku. He has to play General Grievous. He has to be able to play everybody. He has to be able to play Padme, the entire Jedi Council, Anakin, Obi-Wan. He has to fool everybody into what he wants to do. And he can't do any of that stuff in the second movie or in the third movie if he doesn't pull these strings now and get those Trade Federation guys to do what he wants them to do. Right. You know? Uh... And that's why he was like, that's not legal. He's like, I will make it legal. He's like, just do it, and then I'll fix it on the back end. Don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you to do. But you're going to have to pull these strings to get this stuff to work. Exactly. You know? Uh, so then it says, um, uh, number three, no stakes. 
the we have no reason to care about any of the flashy action that happens throughout the film. We do not care about the destruction of hundreds of battle droids, and those droids never pose any real threat to the heroes of the film. Uh, we do not know or care about any of the pilots fighting in the final space fight. We don't know or care about the Gungans. They are computer-generated cartoons who apparently completely who are apparently completely ready to throw their lives away simply because Padme asked them to, fighting another army of disposable computer-generated cartoons. The only fight we ever care about is between the Jedi and Maul, and this fight was spoiled by killing Darth Maul, who could have been an excellent antagonist to Obi-Wan Kenobi, a cause for a vendetta, a temptation to the dark side for vengeance, etc. That person has no idea about Obi-Wan Kenobi because Obi-Wan doesn't have a vindictive bone in his body. Yeah, there's no vendetta with Obi-Wan Kenobi and also all the other stuff that he named. This, this guy's just a moron. Um... <laughs> But Obi-Wan Kenobi, when he starts a fight, he finishes the fight. You find that out in Revenge of the Sith. I'm not going to yeah. speak on that now, but you know how Obi-Wan carries himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's not in his personality to let Darth Maul get away. I would so even can stalk him like an animal. <laughs> I would predict that Obi Wan Kenobi would have died before he would have let him escape. Yeah, he would have said because he, he would have felt that it would have been a disgrace to Qui Gon to yeah. allow him to escape. He had to kill Maul. And again, back to the samurai thing. This was honor before you know uh, saving himself. He death before dishonor. Yeah. Death before dishonor. It was it's total samurai stuff. So yeah, and it, it's essentially what he is at the end of the movie is he's a ronin. Yeah, he's, he's a samurai a with no master. Right. And you know that I the people who say that there's no stakes about this that like you know the droids just don't pose a threat. I mean the Gungans have to prepare for an entire battle to deal with those droids because there's like thousands of them. The Jedi can dispose of measly because they have lightsabers. Lightsabers just cut right through the droids. But yeah. for the Gungans, it's definitely a battle. And at one point, they're thinking like they're giving up. They're like yeah, surrendering. Yeah, they're giving up. Me surrender. Me surrender. Me surrender. Like, yeah. Jar Jar. Yeah. It's you give just... up like in two seconds. I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Jar Jar might be French. <laughs> <laughs> he might be French. Yeah, because he's got a funny accent. He's willing to give up easily. Yeah. Everybody always says like, "Oh, that's racist." Making fun of. He's got a Caribbean people. accent. Like, yeah, it's definitely French. He's it's definitely, definitely French. French. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but then number four it says who the hell is the audience this movie has a scene where a cartoon bunny steps in poop I don't remember that scene in the movie was there wasn't a cartoon bunny in this movie oh you must be talking what? about Jar Jar because he has floppy ears right right and he steps so he, in, he's uh, made four points all of them about Jar Jar <laughs> right <laughs> uh, it, it also has lengthy dull debates about trade politics in a senate chamber who is supposed to watch this movie Lucas tries to appeal to everyone by putting in material targeted at what I can only figure were stereotypes. What do women like? Dresses. Okay, she'll wear lots of pretty dresses. What do black people like? Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, well then we'll put him wow, in the movie. Wow, that's fucked up. Doesn't you know matter. who else likes Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> Every fucking body. Everybody. <laughs> Doesn't matter how we cast him. We already got teenage boys with lightsabers. That's all they need. I guess that. I guess let's have a kid. Because kids like movies with kids in them. Obviously, most of these failed hits are Mark. It's almost as if Lucas didn't understand why people liked the things that they liked. No, kids like movies with 
like dinosaurs and shit in them. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about kids, other kids in movies. Right. Trust me, I have a kid. They they don't give a shit about other kids being in movies. Yeah, no, it's not like I'm not gonna watch this because there isn't like a kid that looks like me in this movie. Yeah. They don't care. I mean, they watch stuff about like you know like the Up movie where there's like a talking dog, an old man, and like a like a Boy Scout in it, and he yeah. he puts like balloons on his house. You know, they watch stuff about Toy Story where it's about action figures going, you know, coming to life and toys. Yeah, you know? fun stuff. Not, not. Oh yeah, we're Finding selling, Nemo. It's a bunch of talking fish. We're we're selling the yeah we're selling this Star Wars trilogy to kids and they were like cutting like everybody's like limbs off in the we're, third one. We're cutting a villain in half and yeah. all this kind of stuff. It's like you know the the thing is is like every fairy tale has like dark stuff in it. You know. I mean, like in the, like the, was like Snow White and all that stuff. You have like Maleficent and then, you know, you have uh, what is in like uh, Little Mermaid, it's Ursula, you know, and like you have all these like villains that, you know, do evil things inside the story. But it, it, to me, it's just like, you know, where he's like, oh, women like dresses. So we'll have Padme dress up in a bunch of pretty dresses. It's like, that's sexist right there. Yeah. I don't even look at the movie in that light. I yeah. Mean, I, I didn't I'm even like, think she's about... a queen. She's royalty. Or at least, you know, the, her her double is. Her double's playing the queen. So she has to look the part. When you see the Queen of England, does she just wear like a t-shirt and jeans? No, never. You would never see her outside no, of Buckingham she, Palace. She has an appearance to uphold because she's royalty. She's royalty. She has to carry a certain amount of, uh, of look and appearance to the people, to the regular people, you know? But this guy's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I had something that we could do towards the end of this that I, um, it's a little bit improv. Okay. Um, you're the producer. Okay. I'm Ron Johnson. Okay. Okay, so we're trying to figure out what the trilogy, like like what he pitched this new trilogy to be. Oh, like his, his idea? Yeah. So okay. Because apparently, I mean, before this even movie came out, they're like, yeah do it let's do it they have enough faith in ryan johnson before before the movie even releases to be like okay the last jedi we like what we saw out of you we're gonna give you three movies and you can it's your own sandbox you can do whatever yeah. you want star You're not wars related and all we know about it so far is has nothing to do with the skywalkers we know that for a fact it's supposed to be a trilogy because he's, he's trying to move on past the skywalker with no legacy. skywalkers okay yeah so you're the producer. I'm coming to sit down, Ron Johnson. Okay, go. Okay, so my idea is that uh, what I want to do is I want to make I want to make the main character an Ewok, and what I want him to do is I want him to go on a journey from the moon that they're on to becoming one of the most powerful characters of all time in Star Wars, and he'll even have like a little lightsaber. It'll be awesome. We can sell toys on it because people buy those little poor little fluffy penguin things. We could sell Ewoks again Tell with you lightsabers. What, the people's most favorite Star Wars movie had Ewoks in them. Right. And they defeated the Empire. They defeated the Empire <laughs> with like, you know, with like small weapons and like rocks and stuff like that. Bows and arrows. Okay. Now what about... I'm just bullshitting, by the way. That's not my real idea. <laughs> what about... I do love me some Ewoks, but I wouldn't do that. I'll, I'll tell you my real one. What about if I redo the prequels with no Skywalker, 
starring a girl. I like that. What are you, what are you gonna? Okay, so what are you gonna do with the other characters? So the main character is a girl. Now what else are you gonna do? They're all girls. They're all girls. And I'm gonna get the entire cast from the all female Ghostbusters movie. Okay, so who's gonna be the main one? Kate McKinnon? No, Melissa McCarthy. Okay, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm on board with this. I like this. I like what you're going. Where you're going? Trilogy. With okay, and so who's gonna be the main villain? Uh, it, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, yeah, so we do that. Right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, done. Just all females. Yeah. And just have... She's the emperor. Female, <laughs> female empress. Yeah, empress. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about, like, they don't have enough, you know, like, strong women in movies. Why don't we get one of the original strong women, and she can be the villain this time. Okay, same, same idea, but uh, adding on to that, what if... This is... I know this is going to be controversial, but what if... We put more than one black guy at a time in Star Wars. I do you think people are going to go for that though? <laughs> I mean, because the rule with Star Wars has always been that y you get one really badass black dude in each right. trilogy. Right. So the original, tr the original one from like the seventies and eighties, you had Lando Calrissian. He's like the most badass dude in the universe, right? I mean, but you only have Lando. You only have the one guy. Prequels, yeah. you have Mace Windu. You know, well, you Samuel have the Jackson. captain too. Panaka, he's like, he's, uh, in it, really, he's not really, he? I mean, we're talking about like you get one badass main character. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. So you're Mace right. Windu is the main badass black dude in the prequel movies. Okay. Now in the new movies, you have John Boyega playing Finn. And so that's the one guy. That's the one badass black okay. dude. Because so, you only get one per trilogy. So that's, Sith, that's the rule. Sith rule of two, black guy's rule of one. Black guy okay. rule of one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, what if, if we don't want to do any of that, what if I just get James Franco and give him a lightsaber? Is he going to be talking like Tommy Wiseau? All the time. The I'm, whole movie. This is going to make $2 million. <laughs> because it's the power of James Franco. We, we can have his brother in it, too. Or, my favorite one so far, what if we did Star Wars, but with The Rock? That's awesome. Is Rock going to be a Jedi? Yes. Oh, wait, they don't do Jedi anymore. Sorry. No, no. He's going to be a gray, gray Jedi? Jedi? <laughs> <laughs> he's Is gonna that be racist? A, he's going to be a not Sith Sith? I don't know. He'd be more of a brown Jedi, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd be a brown Jedi or, I don't know. Yeah. A Samoan Jedi? Would <laughs> they have Samoa in Star Wars? <laughs> I mean, that's basically what... Django Fett is. I mean, I mean the Enterprise. Well, he's shows, not Samoan. He's an Islander. He's the Enterprise Aborigine. shows up on Coruscant and uh, the Phantom Menace. Yeah, it's in there. So that's canon, right? Yeah, the Earth exists. The Rock exists. We'll just make him the actual Rock in yeah. the, the Star Wars. Yeah, like, he'll just be the Rock. Yeah, like we'll have the Enterprise beam him up, and then they crash land on Coruscant. And then The Rock comes out, and then he gets trained by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Trilogy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You can build a whole trilogy of movies off just that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, my, my serious version of it would be uh, maybe go back to uh, the most fierce era of the Sith whenever they just dominated the galaxy before uh, their kind of extinction before the reemergence with the emperor and everything. Oh, and, okay. Um, 
back when they they were uh, like a Sith Empire. It was yeah. a Sith Empire. Yeah. When they were the, you know, there's Sith Empire and the Jedi were actually at odds and they. So that's going back even older than the old Republic era. Yeah, something okay. like that, where the Jedi were actually just kind of getting formed and becoming a power. I think that would be something that would be really fun to watch, and that would that'd be worth a trilogy. Um, I think it would be interesting. Well, and I guess the idea of, of going back in time, maybe to show like earlier parts of the universe, I think it'd be cool to go back and see the origins of the Jedi and the origins of the Sith. Yeah. Where did that order come from? Because now we, we kind of get into, you know, used to the idea that they're not really going to do much with the Jedi much anymore, especially because this movie is called the last Jedi. So it's like Luke's kind of like the end of the line. You know, he's one of the last Skywalkers that's still alive. He's like really the only Jedi that's still alive. So if they're going to get rid of the Jedi, the, I'm not ready for the Jedi to end. I want to see. I want to see the Jedi reborn, but it, I think it'd be cool if you're going to go the opposite direction and have a trilogy that's based after Episode Nine, basically, and you're going to do like, I don't know if they would do ten, eleven, twelve, and have Ryan do that. Be, that would be interesting if they did, where they're like, you take over, you know, you do like an entire trilogy that's just all your idea, and it's ten, eleven, and twelve. I don't feel like you can call it ten, eleven, twelve if you don't have Skywalkers. Yeah, but then what do you do? I mean, do you, you have just to have, have to start over. Star Wars, blah blah blah, whatever it's going to be about. Episode one. I uh, I mean maybe so the Skywalker saga would go from one to nine, one and then you would have another, and then you'd have another saga that would start. It would be technically episode 10, but it's episode 1 of a new Of a new lineage. story. Of a new, yeah, family, because yeah. Star Wars we has... We just use the Kenobi family. We could just use the Kenobi family, because it has to be about a family. Yeah. Because Star Wars has always been about a family. Or it could be about, like, the, you know, the Starks, the Targaryens, or... Yeah, all those people, you know, <laughs> yeah. Starks, Targaryens. It's Game of Thrones Star Wars mashup. Right. Jon yeah. Snow gets... Taken, beamed up by the Enterprise, and then they crash <laughs> like. <laughs> there's so many people that hate on this because we're mentioning Star Trek in a Star Wars episode. We'll be like, I hate you, Steve, because you're, you're crossing the universes. You suck. But if you have hate comments, we have an email set up. Tell yeah. them the email, Steve. <laughs> it's, beyond the, it's beyond the hate at yahoo.com. Send it all you want to. And um, uh, that's. Pretty much <gasps> what we have, uh, we could go on for hours and hours. Yeah, we're already there has to be a stopping nearly point. two hours. So if we keep going, we'll actually be longer than the runtime of the movie. So <laughs> all good things must come to an end, but uh, not yet. Yeah, we got two more episodes after this in our Star Wars prequel extravaganza. Uh, peace out. Peace out. Jedi Knight, the council does. But agree with your taking this boy as your Padawan learner? I do not. Qui-Gon believed in him. The chosen one, the boy may be. Nevertheless, grave danger, I fear, in his training. Master Yoda, I gave Qui-Gon my word. I will train Anakin. <sighs> Without the approval of the council, if I must. Qui-Gon's defiance, I sense in you. Need that you do not. Agree with you, the council does. Your approval.
apprentice, Skywalker, will be.